the Blackpool game especially was one of the saddest moments of my career in football. I think some successful people uh, don't have a backup plan. Uh, it's like, why? It's like, because they'll use it. And all of a sudden, a few weeks after I arrive, there's, you know, the rockets uh, mm -hmm. across the skies, the bombs, the, the missiles. I'm kind of sat, sat there at the bar, we, we're speaking, and then uh, his friend comes over, it ends up Miguel, the singer. Yeah. Welcome to On and Off the Pitch, the official podcast from Nottingham Forest. Now, now here's your host, Rachel Stringer. This is the official podcast of Nottingham Forest, On and Off the Pitch, which is available on all your favourite podcast apps. And it's also available in video form on our Facebook and YouTube page. Football has taken today's guest around the world. Six countries... 11 clubs and a career lasting 18 years. From Zambia to Wales to a successful stint as a bluebird amongst other clubs before coming to the city ground in 2008. He was part of that forest side who had back-to-back -back playoff semi-final attempts and he is still the man who has the record for hat-tricks in all divisions in the EFL the Premier League, the League Cup, the FA Cup, and as an international. And he's a man who continues to push himself to the limit, even in retirement. Please welcome to the official Nottingham Forest podcast on and off the pitch with Robert Earnshaw. Welcome. Thank you very much. What a pleasure it is to be here. Uh, what an intro. <laughs> well, you know, I did, I did a little research about you, you. And you are such an interesting chap. So... I wanted to start with something that I'd found on Twitter of all places, um, <laughs> because you've become known for some quotes and maybe some profound statements, and I wanted to read a couple to you first and then get your thoughts on one. <laughs> one of them, okay. Rob. I like the start already. <laughs> we're not our age, we're our energy. Lessons in life will be repeated until they are learned. What matters most is how well you walk through the fire. I really liked those three. And I wanted you to tell us if you have one in particular quote that you try and live your life by. Um, that's a very good start. Yeah, I mean, anything I tweet is because it probably has uh, some kind of uh, relevance to me, as well as probably a lot of people. And, uh, and also I think it's something of, sometimes it's advice, sometimes it's just something that I think it's powerful, like those things. Um, but I think probably the one right now that I, I think is, um, I think is very strong for me is, uh, it's not the ones who has the most, it's who needs the least. Uh, and I think that one right now is kind of relevant, uh, because it's, I think, you know, with me especially, I'm, you know, I'm traveling, I'm, I'm playing football, I'm doing this, and I've lived in all these different countries and uh, so many different people. I meet, you know, so many different people and so many different things in, in life and so many, I've lived in so many different places. And then at some point it started to be like, it's actually not always about just doing more and more and more and more and more. It's sometimes about the quality. And that, I think that's probably what it's about more. It's about, it's about quality. When you meet good people, um, you know, I want to speak more to with them. Uh, when I have some nice things, not the most amount of things, 
but just a handful of nice things, that's nice. I can enjoy that. I can put that energy into it. So uh, that's probably the one that's I can think of right now. Because you seem like you do things a lot with intention and I've seen your, your gym antics on social media, coupled with chess, you do <laughs> a multi kind of mental, physical workout. Yeah, yeah. Is that just about being the best version of you? And where did this best version of yourself come from? Was it your father? Obviously, I know your story about your father and we'll go into that. Or was it your, your mother? You know, did it come from a parent or one of your siblings? Why do you think you go about life how you do with such intention and very you're a very self-disciplined individual i think where it comes from i th- listen i think you always influenced by people i think I've, I've i've had some really great friends along the way and i've had um you know my so uh, my dad passed away i was i was um born in zambia we moved to malawi in malawi my dad passes away i'm nine years old um my mom's left with five kids uh, to raise, uh, we moved to to, to UK, um, to Wales. And then I think that influences you because, you know, my mum has all the energy in the world. So there's a part, that that's the that kind of like the flame, you know, that's the, so I think that that's a big part. Um, but also at the same time, as much as the kind of that, she she's also, and I always say this, my mum didn't really stand in the way of, or my imagination. And I think a lot of it comes from my imagination. Um, I, I, and I mean that in a way of, um, for example, my mum, I can't ever remember my mum kind of from, I don't know, where 11 to 16, you know, 18, whatever it is. I can't ever remember my mum standing in the way and saying, ah, but, you know, that sounds a bit hard, you know, and I'm saying, yeah, but I want to become a footballer. And, uh, you know, I want to play there, that in the Premier League there, <laughs> what I see on TV. Um, my mum was never there to say no or, oh, yeah, but uh, do you know how many, how many actual players that actually make it, you know? Maybe uh, she didn't actually know. I know she played football <laughs> herself, but... No, she, yeah, but she see me in the street, you yeah. know, because especially, you Did know, where... Did you you were good in the street? Yeah, yeah. the difference? Is yeah. good or were you bad? Yeah, well, maybe, yeah, because <laughs> she, maybe she saw something, so that's good. But uh, I think it's, there's always, um, there was always something that kind of, you know, gives you that little bit of, ooh, you know, maybe mm-hmm. think twice. And there was never that. It was, uh, I, I was very, my, some of my friends did uh, around and it's like, oh, yeah, but that's, yeah. You know, but I think that then you can either go with that thought or then you can go if, well, actually, no, I'm, that's exactly what I want to do. We talked about like, you know, chess. Chess is one of those things that as a kid, I was always like, I'd love to play chess. I'd love to play chess. I'd love to ch- play chess. And then over the last few years, I, I went, do you know what? I'm going to play chess. Let me start. Let me learn. And um, I think you you do have a lot of people and inspirations along the way that, that give you uh almost opened the door a little bit, you know, um, when I was coming through and I was like a young kid, you know, in, in Wales playing football, uh, there was, um, you know, there's coaches that um, say, yeah, you know, come along. Or when my mum couldn't take us to football, there was coaches said, oh, I'll pick you up, you know, so those things, because it's like, oh, how amazing, they, they'd given their time to pick me up and take me to football, make sure, you know, I have some food there when I uh, come back, drop me off. So those things, because for me, that that's like the powerful part of like, wow, like they, they're doing that for me just to 
so I can go play football. You know, later on, you know the you know the youth team managers they they start saying hey hey you've you've got something but here's the hard work this is what you have to do you know you have to you do an extra session on a tuesday and this is what you have, this is the direction you go and so those things i'm like wow okay that's the pathway and then along the way you pick up all these experiences but you start also you know taking in building a character building a uh, your own discipline and and over time then I can be able to like, okay, what do I want to do? And then, okay, I can try and figure out more of, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. And this is what, this is the pathway. And when, you know, I have to say no to, you know, this uh, <laughs> chocolate bar over here, I'll be like, no, I'll have that on Sunday. That's my cheat day, <laughs> whatever it is. So uh, it, along the way, you you pick up these, these things. Have you got someone in particular, though, throughout your journey that if you took that person out of it, albeit in football, as a player, as a manager, as a parent, as a sibling, that you wouldn't be the same Robbie or had the same career. So one person on your journey yeah. that had that big impact and was a, maybe a sliding doors turning point moment that if you actually took out of your journey, you wouldn't have had the same career you had. Uh, well, yeah, I definitely. I think, I think lots of those. Are, um, but I, I, the one I always think about, first of all, is the first chance I got. Because I'm, listen, I, everything I do is probably unorthodox, but in, in, a, in, in, in a good way, because I believe in that. I believe in, in the way, because you, you go down the right route and things, the, the universe kind of meets mm -hmm. you halfway. But when I was, um, when I was a, a kid from 14 to 16, uh, I was scoring lots of goals locally, um, I never came through like the academies now. I never, I, I never came through. I wasn't spotted. I, I went training a couple of times, but they were like, uh, you know. But, um, but what did they say? Uh, you weren't good enough. What did they think? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, mm. that, because they didn't sign me. <laughs> so um, I went and trained. Um, um, actually, I, I trained at Swansea for a, a few times. I, I trained at Cardiff. Um, and I trained at Oxford as well. I had a uh, Oxford and. Uh, None of them signed me. Only later on, when I was literally probably two months from leaving school, and I'm probably uh, 15, just about to turn 16, um, was probably the biggest year. Is literally, I have no club. I want to become a footballer. I am just about to turn 16. Um, I'm finishing school in a couple of months. Did you have a backup then? Or no. did you always believe it was happening? No backup. That's the thing. So Were you some... good at anything else? Uh, did you excel at laughing school? around and okay. joking with my friends? Comedian, okay, there's a there's a career in that. I hear it's quite. But well no, I, I didn't really. Uh, yeah, I didn't really have a, a backup plan, and and that I think sometimes that's for me is, is a good thing because then it allows you to go full into that mm -hmm. one thing. Um, because uh, I, had a, I heard a great quote the other day that uh, um, you know I think some successful people uh, don't have a backup plan. Uh, it's like why? It's like because they'll use it. <laughs> yeah, I like <laughs> you that. know. So for me, it was um, I was fifteen, tr just about turned sixteen, and I went to um, a car a Cardiff were just accidentally training, uh, playing a game. The youth team were training, uh, playing a game on the next pitch over to my uh, just local team. I'm playing, and their kickoff was uh, about forty five minutes later. So they're there. And it's got time for the youth team manager at the time to take a look left and watch the next game. In that first half, I score a hat-trick. And um, it's a guy called Gavin Tate, who's the youth team manager. He spoke with my coach, said, 
come training a few times. Um, I went about four or five times training. And this is within like four or five weeks. And then um, I was like, because day in the day, my friends in school are like, oh, what are you going to do next year? We're all thinking, you know, maybe stay on, you know, go to college, all of these things or whatever. I was like, I don't know. Um, but let's see. I've been training with Cardiff for a couple of times, two or three times. Let's see how that goes. I went training uh, maybe, I think, another two times. Um, on the last day, he goes, I've got one spot left on my youth team. Um, and you're going to be it. Do you want it? And I was like, and that was the same night where I uh, had a record of achievement night. Uh, so I was, I was before the training, I was like, well, there's a record of achievement. In, in, it's the biggest night in school. We, this is our leaving due almost for, for school. But it's the same night as the football training. And it's like, I went and training. I did the session. He says that to me and says, you know, this is the last place um, for the youth team next year. You know, do you want it? And uh, I was like... <laughs> So that was Gavin Tate who said that to me. So he's he's somebody that I always um, I always think back and think you know he gave me the opportunity to say I'm at a football club. I'm a, I'm at a professional football club. This was at Cardiff City, and I was 16. And uh, six months later, I was playing in the first team. <laughs> so I think that was definitely the turning point because it was all about the opportunity and somebody saying. Yeah, this kid's got talent. I think we can work on him to have something, and maybe in the future he, he has some talent to go into our first team or or become a have a career. What twenty years later, um, <laughs> six countries later, <laughs> um, I did have a career. But I think those moments uh, give you a lot. But I, I've always been also one, like I said earlier, that you also sometimes got to pause and and remember where you are at. Was so I learned a lot of things along the way. Sometimes how to do things, but also sometimes how to not do things. And along the way, I I, I definitely picked up different things. So your mum kind of I guess helps you get into football by mm. not saying no. Gavin Tate gave you the first opportunity. What yeah, my, well, my mum was as well. I think. It's, it's only now I look back and, and uh, my mum was one of those uh, as well because my mum actually played football. Mm. So my mum used to play football back in Zambia. And I remember as a probably four-year-old, something like that, just, you know, falling over, running around, seeing her playing football. Um, and I have those memories. And I think that probably sometimes maybe gives you the, okay, gives you uh, a, the, the picture. And but the picture doesn't come alive until years later. So I think maybe those things as well inspire you for, for later on because um, is it coincidence sometimes that your mom played football and then you played football, but it was only probably 10 years later that I really started to get into football. So maybe the seed is planted years earlier and it only kind of comes along, um, you know, maybe five, 10 years later. Was that a profession for your mom? It seems like a bit of a, a trailblazing moment for your mom back then to be playing football as a woman in Zambia. And did your your siblings, were they kind of involved in, in football or sport? I know you have a, a gymnastics element to you. We'll get onto that a little <laughs> bit later as well. And your mum boxed. So she's a very sporty family. Yeah, my mum was the, the the sporty one, for sure. And the, the rest, no, my dad um, was a manager of a coal mine. Yeah. In, and that's how he was, he was born in Yorkshire, Yorkshire man. Uh, went over uh, to to Africa. Was working. Met my mum, and he never, you know, he wasn't a footballer. He didn't play football, and I, I have not one memory of even playing football with my dad. 
which is sad also, uh, which is a memory that I want, but also at the same time, I, I have not. I, I only have the memory of seeing my mum playing football on the field and kicking the ball around there a little bit. And then, you know, in school uh, as well, you know, but that, like we said, you know, when I went to school in Africa, it was, you know, I was barefoot in, there's no football, there's plastic bags, we put them together and then we throw that down and we kick that around in, in the middle of Africa. Um, so there's those things that I remember the, the most. And then, um, you know, after that, then it's, it's you know, uh, probably, yeah, seeing my mum uh and um, I have a second cousin who's called Kalusha Bwalia. Uh, Kalusha Bwalia played for Zambia. Um, he was old, uh, uh, close to the family, and um, and he was, I think, somebody was also in the background that uh, uh, he became the um, African Football of the Year, um, one of the greatest uh, Zambian players ever. Um, so I think those things, when maybe I'm a little, small little child seeing him, maybe leave something uh leaves a little little dust there to 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 settle but he's you know people like that but yeah i think for sure because my mum was uh, you know she 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 raised us uh she was probably the one that uh, I, you know i definitely first look at and think you know the there's the drive there's the passion there's the sport there's there's all of those things uh in me yeah i mean the unconscious things that you don't really know that mm. obviously make you who you are today. And you mentioned your past obviously dictates who you become in the future and skip forward a little bit in your career. You had a very successful stint, like we mentioned, over at Cardiff. We don't want to talk about that today. Of course we don't. We want to talk about <laughs> your spell here at Forest, which began... The great times here. Which began in 2008, which were some of the best mm. times. You know, after we had such success early on, then we had that bit of a... What word should I use here? Barren patch? Let's go with barren patch. I said it now. And obviously just got promoted back to the championship when you joined. How was it when you first came to Forest? What were your initial thoughts of joining this club? I think the first probably two things that I thought was, um, number one, I remember Old Forest. That like, like Everyone remembers Old Forest. And everybody old. And that's what I actually love about this fo football club is they remember all the times. It's not like, oh yeah, let's forget this part. The, the good parts, yes. The bad parts, but we remember the history. And I remember watching Forest in the Premier League and watching the Brian Roys and Stan Collimores and all of those guys uh, scoring in the Premier League. And I was like, you know, what a good football team to watch. Um, but my first impressions here was definitely those feelings, those memories are still alive. They're still here. Um, and all the legends that have come through the door, they're, they're still here. And that's what I felt when I, when I came here. Uh, but at the same time, I, I felt that it was a, it was a, a good environment, good football club um, with good people um, trying to progress and trying to progress the football club the right way. And, and I was, um, uh, I had a conversation with uh, Colin Coldwood, who was the manager at the time, and he's the one that convinced me to to, to come. So he's the one that... Uh, Did you need convincing? Because you're only at Derby. Did you need convincing really that much to come over here? <laughs> Not a lot. <laughs> because I was destined to come here. This this is the club. Uh, but no, I, I think it was it was the it was the the, the manner of the conversation because um, I knew of the interest. Um, the the issue at that moment and why maybe I needed uh, at least a conversation and discussion was Forrest were in. Um, in League One mm -hmm. at the time, just got promoted. So it was about, okay, 
you just got promoted. I, I know about your history. I, I know it's a good football club, but what's the plan? What's the plan going forward? So we had a really good, nice conversation right here. I spent about probably two or three hours in the in uh, Colin Coldwood's off Colin Coldwood's office, and we had really nice conversation. I think probably one of the best conversations I've ever had as, with a manager just about to sign because it was just pure. It was football, and he was very open. He was like, "Listen, we've just got promoted. We've got a young team." Um, but we're trying to add some pieces. We need some people. We need a little bit of experience. We need quality. You're one of them. Uh, you are, you know, uh, we want you to come here and score goals like you do. And I think having that conversation really convinced me to be like, yeah, this is because you need that. You need the manager backing you. You need the football club. You need the players around you. You need all of those things. And I just felt that it was the right place to come and play football. Obviously, 2008, 2009 didn't particularly go to plan. For you personally, actually, you had a seller year. But in terms of when mid-season, a manager is in out of favour, he gets let go. I think it was Boxing Day of 2008, if I'm correct. You probably know. Mm. What do? What is the club like then? What do you feel like? What? Tell me about the vibe. Your bottom of the table. What on earth do you do as a person, as a collective? From a player's p- perspective, I mean, you're, you're, you signed for a football club, you know, four or five months before I was signed for a football club, Nottingham Forest, excited, you know, the, all these good conversations that we had. This is a young team. Um, yeah, we, we could do better. Results not great in the league and, and everything like that. And then Colin Coldwell gets sacked. From a player, it's like, ah, oh, like, why? What, you know, like, Let's have more time, you know, but you also understand that things are not being good. Did you want more time? Did you think he was going to continue in that job? And did you have any knowledge that he might get let go? I think you always get to probably those last two or three weeks, you start to kind of feel that there's pressure or extra pressure. And he was he was under extra pressure. But at the same time, you are like... No, we're going to turn it around. We're going to turn it around. We only need one or two results and, and we'll turn it around. So it's, it's always that hope versus hearing and knowing that the amount of pressure that's going on behind the scenes. But uh, we didn't know. I mean, as a player, it's, it's, you never really know. Um, you, sometimes you get an, an idea or somebody says something or whatever. But generally, sometimes you don't know until you come in and, oh, the manager's gone. Was that what uh, it was like? Because there's no social media then. Maybe it was an anonymous post. It's like, <laughs> oh, the manager's been sacked. Like, how did you guys Yeah, yeah, exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. We literally, we came into training and um, yeah, the manager's gone and the manager's been sacked. Um, so we're like, well, who's taking training? What's happening? What happens now? Who's, is there somebody coming in? So there's all these questions. And sometimes as a player, you're, you're in the dressing room and, you know, 25 players, 30 players in the dressing room asking the same questions. And uh, I did one more time. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, working with Colin Calderwood. Um, And then, you know, I think straight away you switch to, okay, who's going to come in? Uh, Billy Davis came in, uh, you know, I think it was a week later, I think. But within a few days, it was announced. So we knew. Um, And then I think we played uh, Man City away in the FA Cup. Uh, in between the, the one manager to another, um, and uh, that so it was it was just a crazy time. So you know, I remember Colin Coldwell's been sacked. We have no manager. Um, um, you know, all the other coaches, you know, they they're taking training, waiting for whoever's going to be announced. It gets announced a couple of days later, but a couple of days after that, 
Uh, we know we're playing in the FA Cup, so we still have to get ready for the for the game. You know, you have to be game ready. Um, Can you get ready though without a manager? Is it, it that same team morale, or are you just all a bit kind of doing your own thing, not really as a unit? It's yeah, I think definitely it feels more disconnected. But you're trying to be as a team, trying to do the right things and try to be professional in how you, you know, how you train and preparing for a game because you still have to play the game. You still have to play the game for the fans mm. and, and for you and, and represent the football club. So you're still trying to do that. But it's hard, very, very hard and very difficult because it's like, um, well, who's going to tell us? What to do? What to do? How we're going to play? What system we're going to play? You know, you know. So those things are not quite there, so it's a bit disconnected. Was there someone in that squad who, in that little, only a small window, but when you played City, for example, took on more of a, a coaching managing role? Um, I remember Ian Brecken um, mm-hmm. at the time, uh, and uh, I, I think just kind of generally. The squad was kind of um, okay. Let's let, let's get through this. Let, let's figure out a way. Let's let's go play. Um, and um, it, 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 because it was a, a young group, there wasn't too many leaders in a way of like um, experience or old older heads. I mean, I was probably the one of the uh, older ones. I was like what. Twenty-seven, yeah. something like that, or twenty-six at the time, or whatever. But um, I think we, uh, all of us, we we were just kind of like, do you know what? We play Man City in a couple of days. Um, we got to go to the to the Etihad. Um, let's just play free. Let's let's go see what happens. I, and I remember everybody remembers that day because we go and win three 0 at Man City. And is that to be pressure fa- off? Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And the interesting thing was, um, Billy was appointed, and um, and he came in the he came in the uh, he was at, at the game, and he was watching, and uh, he came in the dressing room beforehand, officially taking the job a couple of days mm-hmm. later on the like the Monday, and Billy came in, so it was almost like, oh, we've got to impress, but at the same time, he's not started, and you know what's what's going to kind of happen. But we're playing some of the best players in the world, so it was also about do you know what? Let's go play free, and um, and it was an unbelievable day because we literally played free. Uh, we scored some great goals. Uh, the performance was like super competitive, um, and we go and win three 0 against Man City. And it was just we walked off thinking, how do we do that? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> so it was that feeling. But at the same time. We played a great game and that's why it happened. So, But you're still like in disbelief. I mean, that's the thing with football, isn't it? That set of players didn't change to who was at the bottom of the championship there where Colin leaves, Billy comes in a week later. So why does the kind of mentality in a, te- in a team change so much and why can you improve? Okay, you didn't go on to excel like you did the year after, but that set of players still didn't really change that much from... 2008-9 to 9-10 and then 10-11 when he became so successful. Yeah. Was that just Billy that changed it? The core the core was exactly the yeah. same. Um, we added, you know, every year we added two or three pieces. So but, but fans go, why couldn't you have done that with Colin? And Colin probably said, why couldn't you have done that with me? <laughs> like, why? I'm asking you, why yeah, does yeah. that No, do you know what? Yeah, so and, we, and we love Colin. And, and um, we, But, you know, I, I think what changed was probably that extra, I guess, demand mm. um, f- on us. 
um, on everything. Um, I remember Billy coming in and uh, he uh, he didn't take the the training sessions for the first uh, week. Was he just observing you all? That's what we find out later. <laughs> yeah. But Billy's Billy's not. I mean, when a new manager comes in, and the difference is the difference is some managers come in and demand more from mm-hmm. you and and look at every detail and and also push you to to go you know further than you have and that's maybe the difference and um and maybe it's sometimes also tactics sometimes the way you play in football uh, on the pitch even though you're trying to give everything it's the way you know tweak this change that move this and do the sometimes those are the difference i think those are what happens but i think the the biggest thing is billy coming in um, and the first week he doesn't take tra- training session and um, yeah, that's weird what did he, you think then uh, well I, I was thinking well, what's he doing <laughs> what's happening here because really what were the team thinking hang on because you didn't have whatsapp then how did yeah, you kind of I think we're all the same because speak the conversa- to each other out of training yeah the conversation was the same because uh, it's generally a, a manager comes in they'll take the first training session or they'll say the first words, they'll, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll come in. And, and he did that. He had a conversation, a, you know, introduction, all that, uh, but quickly moved. And then, and that's it. We don't really see him for, for the first week. And, um, and you know, the team's the, the same. And we think, what's going on? Because generally a manager comes in, he'll take the first session to stamp and they give you some little pointers of, okay, now this is the, this is the level we have to hit. This is what I want. You know, I'm the new guy. This is what I want. And uh, it wasn't any of that. Um, so for the first week, we're training um, as we do. Um, and the assistant coaches that came in um, uh, are taking the training. But we didn't realize videos, uh, Billy's videoing the sessions. Um, then we play a game. Nothing really happened. The next week, oh, it was really Billy. <laughs> so he comes in first thing Monday, video session. And he started, not about the game, it was about the training. And he starts looking at, uh, he, he brings out the video and puts in the video. And then he's, um, he's, he's, he used to love to uh, pause and play um, because it was, he'll it, it'll, it'll play it for like a few seconds, pause, and then full on rant. <laughs> it was, look at him there. What's he doing? He doesn't match a one, two. Where's he running? Look how slow he is. <laughs> But this is in front of the team. So this is the, the, the video meeting on a, on a Monday. And that's when a week later, Billy arrives. And, and then this is the demand. So I, I think we needed that maybe. And that's maybe the, the, the difference at the time between Colin Calder and Billy Davis at the time. But we needed that. We didn't know we needed it. But mm. he just said, no, I see this as too slow and, and, and not competitive enough. And, you know, the little details are off. We're not, we, we, we're not matching one-twos here when, you know, somebody pops it, pops it here and then goes through and, and you leave him go. Those things were like now analyzed. So every little detail was analyzed and then it was like, oh, wow, okay. Because as a player, if you're listening to this, you're then, oh, right, okay. I can't be the one who doesn't match a one-two. I can't be the one who, if he, if the defender runs in front, I'm sprinting with it. I'm getting ahead because I'm going to be on the video on Monday morning. So it's those little things that that came in, and and they were good for us because uh, you start to build up that mm. disciplines and those things, and then over time, then it was at first it was hard work, and it was like, you know, and sometimes you do 
lose position uh, or, you know, you get caught in, in a position where you're ball watching and somebody, you know, somebody's got the ball and you say, oh, I was supposed to be there. And then you hear it from the side. So you, you, you have those few moments and then after it becomes automatic that, you know, you just start to see things around and then, you know, uh, somebody does a one-two, bang, I'm with them. I'm going to match it, get ahead of him. They don't get ahead. They don't go score a goal and the other end, whatever it is, as an example. But those things that started happening and then those things become habits slowly, slowly. You build them and get better and better and better and better. And all of, all of a sudden, we were then matching every team for work rate, for details. And then the other side attacking, <clears throat> it was the it was the same. Then, you know, our intensity of like what we're trying to do. I, I was lucky because I was always the same. I, I like that in an attacking mm. sense. But as a team, defensively, we're conceding too many goals. So those are the things that needed urgently addressing to get better. Then we allowed ourselves to then go score goals and win games and, you know, be one or two goals up. Um, and the improvement happens over the next couple of years. How demanding was Billy on you as a person? Did he like your um, somersaults that you did? Did he <laughs> tell you not to do them? Like, what was he like individually, one-on-one -on -one to you? Can you remember any kind of specific moments that are really, really stuck in your mind from your experiences your relationship his demand for it was i mean he was very demanding he's probably one of the most demanding coaches i've ever had billy because everything that was like what you were perceived as your limit he said no no, no i'm gonna add 25 percent on top of that <laughs> or 50 percent on top of that and that was his demand and he never really i think not so much on uh, goal scoring and attacking sense it, it was more on um, how I did that and uh, definitely defensively and positions to take up when the team hasn't got the ball I think those are the areas especially because at, uh, also at the same time he, he kind of left me have a freedom which I needed as well I'm one of those players that needed the freedom to attack and, and be inventive and see because I think I think he understood that naturally I'm the one who studied goal scoring the most mm -hmm. I, like every little detail is I, i'll study more than the coach um so when it comes to attacking or scoring goals where to be what type of run where to move um how to finish which technique um i was training that every day to to be better at this 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 and it, it was it was um kind of like categorized in little small little areas and this type of finish and this type of movement, uh, going against the goalkeeper 1v1, finishing from the left, finishing from the right, um, you know, 1v1 against the defender, then the goalkeeper, uh, or, or everything, I studied it. So he gave me a lot of freedom to be like, he knows how to attack. Uh, I'll just make sure that if he loses the ball, <laughs> I'm going to scream at it. And the, 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 what I always remember from Billy is... Um, if I ever lost the ball, if any player actually ever lost the ball, I don't, it was all of us, we knew, we'd have the whistle, Billy's whistle. I, no fingers, no nothing. You just be like, I don't even know how to do it. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I You'll, can't do it. He had no, the loudest whistle in the yeah. world, but you knew if you just lost the ball, it was absolute, like he would go at you and tell you like, you should not be losing the ball. But it was like, do you know what? Yeah. Do you know what? No problem. I, uh, I'm going to keep it next time. But we needed that pushing 
to improve and get better and and that demand we need we needed that so it was, it was really good for us and listen it's, it's also why we got to the playoffs it's also why we we improved instantly and we got better and better and and we're close to to going to the premier league yeah i mean that was i think we already mentioned this i think looking back you know it was great years wasn't it between 2009 10 to 2010 11 those two consecutive playoff semi-finals i think he finished third was it in the 20 was it Blackpool? Missed out on nine, that one. Yeah. Nine, ten, and then nine, Swansea. Ten. Yeah. The then year 10, after. 11, we finished, what, I think, sixth. sixth. And then, but both years, well, semi-finals. Semi-finals. Playoffs. I think both years, everyone obviously expected, but also obviously hoped. Why, what was it that you guys came unstuck at the semi-final hurdle? Do you think both times, because you were clearly capable enough it was an, uh, probably a few things. Um, I think a little bit being as a team, a little bit naive. We made too many mistakes in the biggest moments. Um, you look at the Blackpool games, uh, the goals that we conceded, they were weird for us to concede mm. in that way. And so many, um, you know, so it, when we had the playoff against Blackpool, for example, the, the second leg, the first leg, we, we, I think, well, we lost 2-1 away. And then, but we we felt oh no no problem because you're in it still we, yeah, yeah. We, we'll beat them at home um, because you know we, we're good at home so we'll beat them at home we came and I score within the first what six or seven minutes and everybody just felt oh yeah okay this is normal forest yeah normal service resumes and then um, you know we obviously we score they score but. It got to aggregate 3-3, and we just felt, oh, it's it's going to come. It's, so you had the belief. It was just luck? Uh, it was a little bit of luck, a little, little bit of lack of concentration in the wrong moment, at the wrong time, on the biggest stage, on the biggest moment. Um, you know, because, you know, the, the goals that we concede, the, the balls we give away. And um, and I think we, we didn't concede, uh, we didn't see, concede a goal uh, at home since February or something like that. And um, here we are in the playoffs months later and we haven't conceded. And then all of a sudden we concede what, uh, f- uh, four goals in the second leg, two goals in the, in, the, in the first leg. And you just think, what happened? And do you know what? That f- the Blackpool game especially was one of the saddest moments of my career in, f- in football, just because I just felt that this is it for us. This We're going to the Premier League. This is our season because we were so good in that season. And I was just like, so sad. I think if you could probably look back at the, the pictures of when the final whistle goes, I just kind of just dropped because I was like, I don't know how that happened because I just felt like, and we, and we played pretty good as well. <laughs> that was the worst thing. We played pretty good. I remember getting a couple of goals and I just felt like this, this was our day. It, it just felt like we, we're going to go through and we're going to go to Wembley and then go to the Premier League. And that was the feeling. And it just... It, and we 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 just got a big shock from a team that beat us on the day because probably if we play them ten times we probably beat them mo- mo- most of the time. Um, but it just happened to be that that one game lost us the chance to go to the Premier League, and it, it was one of the saddest moments uh, of my career for sure because I just felt I was so sad. My heart was just so sad. I, I remember that feeling even even now, and it was it was really really devastating. And then on reflection, a year later, Swansea, similar story. 
I guess people would go, had you not learned how to deal with that situation, two legs, two games, you can go to Wembley. When you look back at that now, what was your biggest takeaway from why that year didn't work out? Um, do you know what? Now I, I feel that that uh, what uh, 09, 10 season was, we were probably more ready yeah. than the next season. Um, and you'd think it would be the opposite way around. you think, okay, <laughs> round one is... You get a feel for it. You made a few mistakes. Round two, okay, they'll do it because they've got a little bit more experience and they understand the situation. They've been in it last year. And it wasn't. It, it, I think it was a little bit more disruption within what we were trying to do because we're playing Swansea. And I think Swansea were the best team in the league at the time. They were so hard to play up against. But we also really should have gone through. Yeah, that second leg. You watch that back on YouTube, oh, that's disastrous. Oh my goodness. To watch. Yeah, it was it was that was devastating as well because I felt like yeah, we I think we were more equipped and ready and the feeling was was better that year before, but we were also ready against uh, when we played Swansea because even you know, I think um, Neil Taylor gets sent off uh within like 2 minutes um here and we're playing the first leg at home and you just think Oh, they're gonna go through and and finish it in the first leg, so the second leg is easier. Never happened that way. I think what we draw nil nil, then go with the second leg, and then um, the second leg was just a disaster. But I think even little things that I think little things like the team changed. I think Billy ch um, changed the team. You know, four or five changes in the second leg. It might have been more, but um, I just remember loads of changes um, to what we thought was our best team. So I feel I, I feel like we didn't play our best team on paper mm -hmm. to go to that uh, in that second leg, and you know it was no surprise that we you know we go and concede. And uh, but I just felt like when we finished the game or how we finished the game was was how we should have started. And I think I remember hitting the post. There was a penalty shout all within 15 minutes. And then I scored the goal as well. Mm -hmm. And when I scored the goal, it was just like, oh, right. Okay, that hope is is still there. That forest fire is still there. And it just, we run out of time. Yeah. <laughs> we, we literally run out of time. And it just felt like, I think even the Swansea players, because um, I was playing against Ashley Williams, who I knew in, in, the, yeah. in the national team with Wales. Um, and I think even they felt like, do you know what, another five Five minutes, ten minutes. We'd have had them. Yeah, we we would have had them. Um, and that's that's the disappointing part about that Swansea game, uh, that Swansea playoff second leg, because uh, you know we're we're attacking, we're attacking. They go and score. I think it was from the halfway line in the end because I, you know Campy <laughs> decided to go well, <laughs> for his ice to. cream. Everyone down there. <laughs> but um, you know it was it was the time we we were throwing yeah. everything at it. But um, the score line didn't particularly reflect mm. that match in that in that second leg. Um, Conscious of time, but I really want to uh, fast track towards you going abroad and playing in a couple of different countries. Obviously, you went to Israel, then you went to Canada and America. I kind of want to know more overarching in terms of how culturally different were those clubs and the countries from your time here in the EFL or in the Premier League? Oh, extremely different. Yeah, because uh, listen, for me, it was always about experiencing more. And I, I that's... I guess my, one of the fundamental things I like to experience more and different things, different situations, different cultures, and uh, I decided that I, w I wanted to play abroad. I wanted to to experience different types of football. Um, I got a call from Jordi Cruyff, uh, who was the uh, director of football at Maccabi Tel Aviv mm -hmm. in in Israel. This was uh, twenty twelve, and um, 
uh, he, this was a, on a Sunday afternoon and, um, and literally, uh, I probably had about four hours cause the transfer window was closing. I had about four hours to make a decision whether to move to Israel or not. And Jordi Cruyff calls me and said, listen, this is the project. This is what we're doing. And, 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 uh, this is what I want you to be part of and come out. I'll look after you, score goals, um, and, uh, and do well. And, um, and I was like, well, I've never been to Israel. I don't know, you know, the club. So you kind of look into it a little bit, but I literally had hours to, to make up my mind. So I, I go and um, make up my mind. And I was like, Jordi, I'm, uh, I'm trusting you. <laughs> look after me then. Uh, but I, I want to experience the, the, you know, we had a Spanish coach we had, um, uh, who came from Barcelona at the time. Uh, we had um, some of the staff were, you know, from Valencia, definitely a, a Spanish Dutch and a very mixed um, kind of environment that we, we had there at Maccabi Tel Aviv. And uh, that season then, you know, we end up, you know, winning the league and that's when they started going to the Champions League. But it was a great experience, uh, but also crazy at the same time because the war with, uh, you know, in Gaza and, and Israel is, is ongoing for like, I don't know, 60, 70, 80 years or whatever it is. So I was caught up in the middle of that. So at some point, um, you know, I'm enjoying training, playing, and all of a sudden, a few weeks after I arrive, um, there's, you know, the rockets uh, across mm. the skies, the bombs, the, the missiles, and it was like, whoa, what's going on? The siren in the, in the, uh, over the, the city of Tel Aviv uh, starts going off, and I was caught up in a war that wasn't, I wasn't part of. I was here to play football. And all of a sudden I'm caught up in, you know, I was training literally and the sirens are going off, the missiles are, are flying ar uh, around and we just run into the side of the building in the middle of a training session. And I was like, wow, um, this is definitely not what I signed up for. And uh, that went on for weeks and weeks, uh, but it was it, a crazy time. But the culture is very, very different. Um, the, the politics, the things in especially when I went to Israel, very, very different, crazy. Um, and was it something you had to learn, like footballing-wise or kind of around the club that you'd never experienced before here? Like a way they used to do things? Yeah, 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 definitely. And and I think as much as, you know, that side of it and and uh, what I've described there with the war and missiles mm. and dodging, you know, missiles and everything like that, um, that was crazy. Uh, the other side, the football side, I actually learned probably the most in the first two months than I did probably the previous six years in the UK. And I always say that is because at in the time, of for example, uh, I always look back and think um, positional play, you know, where to be, you know, even um, as like a chess game, almost you, you move here, you move here, you move here, but it's every move is kind of calculated. And it was like, it was eye opening because sometimes you, you know, Goalkeeper gets it. We kick it long. Uh, somebody flicks on, but it's kind of a little bit of hope in there. Not mm. not methodical. But when I went to abroad, especially when I went to Maccabi Tel Aviv, it was like everything is methodical. We move the ball here, so we move it here. When he moves that, you move here, and it was it was very much in that way. And then all of a sudden, you end up with a goal, and the other team don't know how, but we've been working on this in training. So there's loads of these little things. I was like, huh. Okay, I, I'm learning a lot, and I came back and I went to, um, I went also to Toronto. Mm. That was a, <laughs> another one. Was that where, almost like a backwards, not a backwards in terms of your career, but in terms of probably how they approached the game at that time? Um, completely what, it, MLS, you mean? Yeah, com 
compared to going out to Israel when they were so methodical, like you said, maybe the MLS at that time were still in their infancy and they're not obviously a massive sport in the US and still finding their feet, even mm. possibly still now. Yeah, I, I think I think tactically, yes. Um, but, you know, whether it's like the uh, physically, the running, the, the team, the football, it's still the same. It's still fundamentally the same sport. And we actually had some very good players out there who played in Europe and, you know, in our team and played to a, to a high level. So we had, you know, good players that, you know, understand mm. football. So there was uh, um, a, a lot of that. And uh, Ryan Nelson, who, uh, who played at uh, Blackburn, centre-back in the Premier League for years and years, he was the coach. So... It generally, it was a, a British there. idea of yeah. of, uh, of what he's trying to do, but I enjoyed it out there. I enjoyed I, I've enjoyed moving and and going into different cultures. I've enjoyed playing with different players, and you you know you look across the dressing room sometimes. And I remember in in Toronto and when I was in Vancouver, um, and I'm looking around and I'm like, there's five or six languages spoke in in the dressing room. Uh, this guy's from I don't know. Uh, South America, this guy's from uh, Middle Europe, this guy's from Eastern Europe, uh, this guy's from, you know, right here in the US or Canada, um, this guy's from, you know, Argentina. So it was, it was just like different cultures. Mm. And you, you, I think I've been exposed to so many, uh, so many different cultures. And it's, it's also good because I think, you know, now I, I have friends who are <laughs> now from all sorts of different countries. I was saying to, I was saying this the other day, actually, I, I can probably make a phone call now to somebody who lives on probably every continent because I played with them or I coached them or we become friends or whatever. But I think that's what I've got a lot of uh, the last, you know, 10 years or so of traveling and being in, di in different countries that I've, um, I've been exposed to all these different cultures. But it was good. It was very, very good. And um, I've had some really, really good times, crazy experiences, you know, even off the pitch, even yeah. the, some of the things that, uh, you know, you, you sometimes uh, you're in a situation and you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> you know, the like one what, that you what can um, when, when I went to Toronto, so I'm in Toronto and um, and uh, after a couple of months there, um, a friend of mine invites me, oh, you know, come out, let me show you around. So you show me around and then. You know, we end up going to uh, to this to this bar, um, and he's like, "Oh, he's got a couple of friends coming, up, uh, and um, they get a table uh, with us." And it's like four or five of them, whatever. One of them's a, a really good guy. Starts speaking to him, you know. Don't ends up this crazy like billionaire guy. Um, and then uh, a few moments, I say, "I got a friend, a friend of mine coming, or whatever." And uh, I'm kind of sat there at the bar, we, we're speaking, and then uh, his friend comes over, it ends up Miguel, the singer, yeah. <laughs> Miguel, and, and Miguel comes over, and he sits next to us, and then we spend the night with, with like, Miguel, and you, I'm just like, how did this happen? At the, t at the time, imagine, yeah. I've just started listening to Miguel, and I think, oh, this guy's great, what, I'm a big fan, and a few moments later, he turns up. Did and he it, sing? Did he sing is my question. Oh, yeah, he was singing, yeah. He had his sunglasses on in, in, in the bar. But, um, you know, I'm speaking with Miguel at, at the time, and, uh, and he's, oh, yeah, I used to play football as well, or oh, soccer. I used to play soccer um, at the time, and I, I was just like, I, I caught myself thinking, what, how, do, how, did I, how did this happen? 
Yeah, I mean, football gives you some amazing experiences. I know you're at the World Cup in Qatar. I was as well. Being at that final was something that I'll never forget. And I'm, I'm oh, sure you are either now yeah. as your role. I felt like a kid again. Like, Me in too. Qatar. Best I, match oh. ever. Sorry, Forrest. Uh, I'm going to move you on though, Rob, because we spoke about places that possibly had impacted you. I'm now going to go to people mm. that maybe have, well, let's say I'm going to say impacted you. You maybe have some good stories about. And I'm actually starting with... Um, a player that you played with at Norwich. Ha. Ha. <laughs> Mr. Dion Dublin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. I, Just I, because people know him. Yeah. Now as a famous face continued in kind of the same form as you have. Yeah. I mean, listen, lots and lots. I'm probably missing out a bunch of uh, uh, players that have influenced me or helped me or whatever. But uh, Dion Dublin, I played with Dion at Norwich City. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2007, uh, I think 2006, 2007, um, great time, great guy. Really Any stories ha- that stand out for um, you and Dion? <laughs> yeah, I mean, stories about Dion. Um, I don't know if I can share all of them. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> no, uh, the, the best thing about um, with Dion, so I moved, uh, so when he moved to Norwich, I, I moved to Norwich, we were in the hotel for uh, literally. Because he he um, he used to um, live actually not in Norwich, so he used to live like in the Midlands somewhere, and that's where where his home was. And what I remember about Dion is um, I was in the hotel for a long, long time, like probably four months. I was in there actually in in the hotel. Didn't want to pay rent. Uh, no, I was I'm joking. I, I I'm, was joking. I'm joking. I'm uh, joking. Renovating uh, my house, which okay. I bought at the t- at the time, so that's why I was in there for so long. And then uh, so Dion used to come out, uh, used to stay in the hotel, like but. Dion only trained uh, three times, two times, two or three times a week maximum. And he, this guy's thirty-five years of age, and he literally only play, uh, trained two or three times, and then played, and he was un- unbelievable on on the Saturday because he used to live away yeah. uh, for the first few days until Thursday, um, and then he used to come on Thursday, and then train Thursday, Friday, game Saturday, and he was unbelievable. And uh, maybe he was a secret trainer. Maybe <laughs> some of these people do this. Oh, he definitely kept fit, but he, he's a good guy, and 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 he, he did you know keep himself right. That's why he could do he could do that. Uh, but it, it was just remarkable to me that he didn't train with us until Thursday, Friday. He trained on his own and and in the gym and all all of these other things that he was doing. And then he just turned up Thursday, Friday, trained with us, then play Saturday, and he was unbelievable and he was brilliant. But he he helped me a lot because. Um, I really enjoyed playing with him because I, I learned a lot of things that I wouldn't have learned if I was just watching him on TV. Mm-hmm. For, for, for example, he's very intelligent, very intelligent in how he moved, where he positioned himself, his communication as well. He always used to speak with me and I was like, just by little things, uh, not like lots of conver- uh, words or whatever, it's sometimes you move left, you know, or like, or, or here I am, you know, little things, but then you knew where he was, what he's going to do, He's seen you, and then you could kind of relate, and so those little things. So, um, good time spent with Dion. Finally, I'm going to give you one more because time is of the essence here. Someone that had success with you here at Forest. Yeah, Chris Cohen, um, <laughs> my uh, ice bath uh, teammate. <laughs> yeah, well, me and Chris spent uh, you know, obviously the three years here. Um, good guy. He's, you know, he's gone into coaching. He's he's done very well for himself, and I, I wish him all the best as well. Still, I, I want him to do well. Uh, obviously, a legend at, at Forest as well. Um, the thing probably I think people don't know is me and Chris spent so many times in the ice bath 
joking, laughing. So every Thursday and Friday, it was me and him, uh, probably still like four o'clock in the day. Everybody's left for like two or three hours earlier. And we're still at the training ground. Are you not shivering at the same oh, time? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. we, were, we were in the ice bath. And then we'll have like needles from uh, acupuncture from the physio. And then we'll have like <laughs> quizzes. <laughs> it got to the point where we were just, it was just like more and more things. Like we were just here on a Prolonging flight. going home. They obviously didn't want yeah. to go home, guys. No, I'm We joking. just loved it. <laughs> so it got to the point where uh, it was like, if, if it was... Thursday, Friday, the physios knew they weren't going home before us. <laughs> so it was like, we, we would do the acupuncture, we'd do the ice baths, we'd have the kit man, Dan, who's, who's still here, the kit man, he's, um, he, he was involved, he was only young, I think he was 18, something like that at well, the time. Well, he was keen, right, Dan? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we had so many laughs with him, he's got some stories as well, we used to, we would be like in the ice bath, but we were like shivering and dying, and we'd be there 10 minutes, and we would be like, Dan, come on, sing us a song, give us a dance, entertain us, because we need to get through this, so he'd be there like doing dances and things like this, telling us jokes. Uh, and then it got to the point we finished that. Then we go into the physio room at the end of the day, have a massage because we're game, getting ready for the game in the, in the next day or two. And then uh, it got to the point where in the physio room we were having quizzes. Um, <laughs> this is like four hours of like game prep. So they just give you the keys to, to lock up at the end bench. and just say, please, guys, can you go home now? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. But. That's, that, that, those are the, probably the things that people didn't see when we were, you know, fighting for those playoffs at the at the time um, when we were playing together. But good times with Chris, um, enjoyed it, and I'm glad he's doing well uh, coaching. Yeah, well, that kind of gave you a little bit of insight into why possibly you were so successful. You didn't leave <laughs> any stone unturned in the ice bath um, with um, singing and quizzes, Chris. <laughs> And Rob there at the end. Uh, Rob, we have one more thing that we like to do, inflict some more pain on our guests, and that is the leaderboard. Uh, Yatesy is still on top with five. This is out of six, okay? Okay. So, um, they are around you-ish, but we'll, we'll just, see how we, just see how you get on <laughs> oh, today. Oh, this will be a test. Right, this, I'm not confident. <laughs> Rob, I think number one is easy, okay? <laughs> Wales finally qualified for the World Cup in Qatar after how many years not being involved? Uh, 64 years. I was going to say, if you didn't know that, being a part of the World Cup, <laughs> I would really be having a go at you right now. Correct answer, 64. Woohoo! Two. <laughs> Your cousin, Kalusha Bawalia, was named the shortlist for the 1996 FIFA World Player of the Year. What position that year was he voted, did he finish? Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> I thought you might know this as being the kind of person that leaves no stone unturned. Oh, that's a hard one. I actually don't know. Do you want to uh, stab in the dark? He finished 20th. Oh, no. He finished 12th, actually. 12th. 12th. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, 12th. No, you never knew. Two for two. <laughs> one out of two. So we know you could only get equal now. All right, someone, no one's still got six. This is uh, concerning. Okay. You were famous for your front flip. Which player is known for sitting on the floor in the meditation position? <laughs> okay. I've seen a lot of this guy. It's an easy one. Uh, it's an easy one. Ah. Harland. Yeah, I, Mr. Harland. Case, we were saying, is that too easy? Yes, it I've was. seen it. I've actually been to a lot of games this year, uh, Man yeah. City, and uh, okay. I've, I've got to see him 400 million times. <laughs> Do it. Two, two out of three. Um, four. You are the only person to have scored hat-tricks in the EFL Division's Premier League 
League Cup, FA Cup, International. Who, though, has the most hat-tricks in the Premier League? Most hat-tricks in the Premier League? Statman, you'll know this. No? Research? You've done it? Uh, most hat-tricks in the Premier League. So many players running yeah. through my mind right now. It's like, oh, he should be this, but is it this guy? Um, okay. Timeline. I'm going to go for... Time. I'm going to go for Harry Kane. Sergio Aguero. Sergio Aguero. 12. Wow. How many is Harry Kane going? Do don't know. know. Don't yeah. ask me that. I only live to the top one. Sergio Aguero. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Question now five. I'll never remember. No. Question five. <laughs> um, when you finished as top goal scorer for Forest in 2008, how many goals did you score total? In 2008. Uh, 2008, 2009. What was it? 17? Correct. It was 12 in the league, 17 overall. How many is that? That's what, three? Three, three. Out of, three out of five? I can't even tell. Okay, and your bonus question. Okay. Someone you played back in the day, the voice is slight disguised. Uh, listen to what he says. We both scored against Ipswich. That's a hard one. <laughs> no, the only one I can think of, I might be wrong or completely right, um... Is Raddy Majewski? Do you want one more time? Uh, it's not. Yeah, play it. Play it one more time. <laughs> we both scored against Ipswich. <laughs> the Ipswich thing throws me Tumbleweed. <sighs> I played with, right? Who is that? <laughs> I can't remember what it sounded like first, but they, they make them sound like little children. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Lewis McGugan. <laughs> no. Guy Musai. Gu okay. My my boy Guy, yes. How many did you get? I'm it so sounds good. so off. It doesn't I'm sound so anything good. like him. Rob, do you want to so do, do the honours? Okay. Did you get three? Three. Okay. I mean, the last one, sorry, confused us all, but where, where are we there? Robert Earnshaw on the leaderboard, and you can you can move yourself up past Jason Lee if you'd like to, because um, <laughs> number one. Incorrect. <laughs> incorrect. I'm going to place you. We can go on. We can go here. Sorry, Jason. Um, Rob can go there. He wants to. <laughs> oh, for oh. goodness' sake! What a shame. <laughs> That was the official Nottingham Forest <laughs> podcast on and off the pitch with Robert Earnshaw. Um, we now know he likes to bend the truth a little <laughs> bit on answers to questions. We heard he, his love of quiz with uh, Chris Cohen and maybe they cheated back then in the ice baths as well. Anyway, <laughs> that story will continue another time. We've found out this man loves to chat. Thank you so much for being a great sport. If you enjoyed this, you know how to find us. Go and subscribe on wherever you listen to your podcast and then just hit the notifications as well on YouTube so you never miss an episode. Thank you and we'll see you next time. That was On and Off the Pitch, the official Nottingham Forest podcast, which, by the way, is also available in video form on our Facebook and YouTube channel. If you enjoyed the conversation, please use your podcast app to follow or subscribe and leave your notifications on so you never miss an episode.